Thanks for being with us. Our final show now before the Christmas, my long Christmas break. When we come back, we are going to be rested. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be ready. And I'm more than optimistic about what kind of year we're going to have next year, especially politically. Um, Not good for the poor and the middle class. Uh, You look at the issue of inflation alone, now a 39-year high. Even, Even top Obama economists are saying, Joe, what are you doing? This is a disaster. Biden's number on inflation, 28% approval rating. A new Fox Business poll came out, uh, pretty much the same the same numbers that we see. You know, nearly 70% of people say inflation has caused them financial hardship. I even think my friend Austin Goolsby, professor of Chicago's uh, Booth School of Economics, is going to agree with me. Joe Biden's economic policies are nothing but an unmitigated disaster. Um, by the way, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Good to hear your voice, sir. How are you? Oh, man, I tried to crank call you again, and they put me right through to the studio. <laughs> you know, I, I hate the fact that I like you so much personally because it's so annoying. <laughs> you, uh, you hate that you gave me that football in which it says in bold letters in your writing, you are a great American. Well, just uh, because you're a crazy you're liberal that was on American. the Council of Economic Advisors for Obama. <laughs> By the way, did you did you ever think the day would come I'd be quoting Obama Economic Advisors as <laughs> a source? I told you you would. I said because in the Obama years, you started fondly quoting Bill Clinton. And I said, if there's going to be a day, Obama's going to be out of office, and you're going to be quoting quoting Obama was there. No, listen, Clinton, at least, the era of big government is over, the end of welfare as we know it. That's what I'm saying. In the moment, you talk a big game, but then... No, no, no. When he changed, I I changed my opinion. Okay, he got a message that was loud and clear, and Joe's about to get his message in November. And he'll, uh, but I don't think Joe has the capacity to change. I don't even think he knows what day it is. No, that's not true. Uh, Look, I think you're right. The midterm is always a tough election for the incumbent president. Uh, That that first midterm, it was for Obama, it was for Trump. You know, it it definitely was for Clinton. Um, So uh, you you may be right about that, but uh, but. It's worth remembering. Right, who wow. do you agree with, In Warren Summers or Joe Biden? Is Joe Biden's policies on energy and the economy hurting the country's economy? No. Overall, <laughs> there are dark. There's there's a downside. The inflation is the downside. But you didn't mention that the new unemployment claims are the lowest in fifty years. Well, how how could it how could it not be any new president ever? The GDP growth rate of the economy might be six or even seven percent at an annual rate. But let's let's say what you're saying is a good thing. Well, as a negative, all of that is wiped out and then some by the average impact of Biden inflation caused by Biden's own policies. Now, you and I both know. No, no, and no. All of those are no. Yes, what are you, yes, the yes. Now, this is, is it, no, Was it a good thing for our national security? Was it a good thing economically and for the price of energy, the lifeblood of the world's economy, that Donald Trump was the first president in 75 years to make us not only energy independent, but a net exporter of energy? Was that a good thing? 
Uh, yeah, overall it was good. Yeah, he didn't do it, as you know. Our production was oh my increasing steadily. No, he Obama. opened up. He he opened up drilling Trump. for for energy companies, and Joe Biden closed them down. Joe Biden closed the Keystone XL pipeline. Well, he did give a waiver to Vladimir. I got to give him credit for that. He's helping make Russia and Vladimir, Vladimir Putin rich again. The um, Keystone you know, pipeline is not about energy independence. It's about, it's about oh, it, it is so oil. about the lifeblood of our economy is energy. Energy is defined as oil, gas, and coal. That, those Professor. are forms of energy. I agree with I that. I get an A+. Plus. <laughs> I'm going to give you... We've we've upped the we've upped your grade substantially. Okay, so the now here, is, here's what if I want if I was going to end inflation. Now you heard the Fed. Yes, they're talking about three years now, uh, three three rate increases next year in interest rates. The Fed is obviously very nervous about inflation. They want to get inflation yeah, under control. Sure. I don't think they're going to be able to. The single best way we can get inflation under control and lower the cost of everything would be to go back to the Trump policies of energy independence, open up Anwar, stop punishing energy companies, oil companies uh, that are involved in drilling and exploration, reopen and keep building the Keystone XL pipeline, remove the waiver you gave Vladimir Putin and become a net exporter of energy again. I think that would that would help inflation a lot. Am I wrong? I think you're wrong. Um, I think no. the, when the Fed looks at inflation, they look at what they call core inflation, and they're not even counting energy prices in their calculations of inflation. On energy, the production from the U.S. is only one small component of world energy production. It's a world commodity. You've seen the price of oil now coming down about 20% from its peak. Hopefully for the short run, that will continue. And but we'll Joe Biden artificially reduced the world supply. And now he's, now he's begging, he's begged OPEC over five times. He's begging Russia to increase production. But now, they're, they're supposedly production. his reason for not drilling here is predicated on his his cultish religion of madness, uh, climate change. Can you tell me if it's a if, if it makes a difference to planet Earth, Mother Earth, to speak in more liberal terms, you'll understand if we drill in the Mideast or Russia or in the U.S.? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Uh, well, I don't think I think the burning of fossil fuels is a worldwide phenomenon, if that's what But the asking. point is, yeah. nobody else is doing... Under Donald Trump, we have the low in, lowest carbon emissions in history in the last Whoa. 50 years. Well, you're talking about when the economy collapsed? No, yeah, I'm talking, right. no, no, I'm talking about... I'm talking about years. in the four years Donald Trump was president. There weren't a lot of... We reduced carbon emissions. Do you think China gives a flying rip about the Paris Accords? No, they're they're... They're a developing nation. They don't even pay anything. They, but next Sean, to nothing. Take, take your thing with the Keystone Pipeline. Okay. The Keystone Pipeline is not for American oil. That's Canadian oil. It will allow the Canadians okay. to but get there's a, a series of things. their He's, oil by shipping it through the United Joe States. Joe has now put an extra tax market. on exploration for energy. Joe closed down Anwar. Joe is closing down other pipelines. Joe is now demonizing okay. the energy sector as if they're the big enemy if while simultaneously that begging that OPEC and Russia. Does that make that sense to you? It's barely existent. Is, what, oh is, is your view that's what's influencing the world price of oil? 
It's not. Uh, yeah, when you reduce, when the United States reduces its supply on the world market by 40%, yeah, because the demand remains constant. So, As of course, know, supply and demand, Professor, crisscross and dictate the price. When you decrease the supply and the demand remains the same, you're going to pay more. When the price of oil collapses, as it did, production on marginal wells, like those in higher-cost areas, like out the Permian Basin, where my mom is, in Texas, those, those wells... I bet your mom is ashamed to call you her son. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. All right. I love your mom. All right. Here's a question. Do you think Joe Biden is cognitively struggling? No. Absolutely. No? No. Definitely. Okay. Let me play you some Joe Joe Biden right. moments, and then you I tell me that this guy. some Donald Trump moments, too. Uh, no, you can't find anything similar because I interviewed oh, Donald please. Trump, and he'll go 45 minutes straight with and be able to communicate with you. Joe Biden doesn't seem capable of it. Come on, Austin, be honest here. Do you really well, not see he's... He's, he's always had that, like, stick his foot in his mouth kind of uh, disease. Okay, I can but play that, you Joe Biden in totally 2008, 2012, 2016, and 2020, and 2021. It's not the same guy, Austin. He's gone. He sent me two letters saying, by the way, can you send me some stimulus money for companies here in the state of Wisconsin? We sent millions of dollars. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Now they got a new plan. Trust me, it's not going to cost you any more. Folks, follow your instincts on this one. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the thing. Really? You want to defend that, Austin? Pull it, please. You don't think that I can pull you out five... No. However many of those were of Donald no. Trump slurring his words, saying... We, we hold these truths things. to be self-evident that all men and women are created yeah, equal, endowed by the thing. The thing, oh, you know the thing. You don't think that Donald Trump said things like that? No. Donald Trump is not a cognitive mess. This guy is so obviously weak and frail and such a cognitive mess. And you know what? I know deep down in your heart, you know I'm right. You just don't have the courage to admit it. And I know you know how dangerous it is. Vladimir sees it, a hostile actor. President Xi sees it. The mullahs in Iran see it. Kim Jong-un sees it. And that's why we see hostilities growing all around the world. Why did they take advantage of us for four years? Because they were Donald scared. To, the they were scared Adam Schiffless that they Donald Trump scared? would bomb the crap they out of him. Scared? They were. It was like sending them love letters to to the North Koreans. Excuse me. We got the best trade deal with China that we ever got. We got a new trade deal with Canada, a new trade deal with Mexico, a new trade deal with Japan, the new trade trade deal with our European partners. And prior to COVID, Donald Trump had the lowest unemployment rate for every demographic group in the country ever, ever hit in the history of the country. Then he blew it. He inherited a 4.7% unemployment no, rate. No, you're forgetting one, one mitigating points, factor. It's called the worst pandemic. He, it's called it COVID. Higher than when he took office. He's the only president in Let American me ask you a question. economic history since we have had the data to Excuse have lost me. jobs over the course of who his did, presidency. Who did we lose more lives to COVID under, Biden or Trump? Uh, 
I assume, I mean, it's growing exponentially. So how could it not be Biden? Okay, so we can use we can use COVID as an excuse for Biden's economy. Now, he inherited three vaccines and monoclonal antibodies. Trump had to make all that happen. Who did a better job with with on every issue now in every poll? Trump is up by double digits. Wait, are you honestly are you honestly arguing that you think Donald Trump handled the covid disaster? Well, Uh, warp speed, monoclonal antibodies, three vaccines. Uh, Yeah, I think he did extraordinarily well. When he announced that it was going to go away by miracle, that you should start. No, that was he was listening to. He was listening to the great Dr. Fauci. That I would I would say that was a mistake. We now know Dr. Fauci should have been fired, and that Fauci lied as it relates to the origins of the COVID virus. Quick break. More with Austin Goolsby as we fight about the economy. Straight ahead, eight hundred nine four one. Sean, our number. We'll get to your calls coming up as well as we continue. I-25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Um, So there's this, this raises medical ethics. I've always been a believer in the right to choose something that Donald Trump passed when he was president. In other words, let's say you're fighting cancer and and they've exhausted at the hospital every treatment, uh, experimental medicine that they have, but you hear about this might be working and you want to try something else. Right to try. Uh, at that point, it's your life, it's your body, it's your choice. Uh, this issue now has come up as it relates to COVID-19. Now, I've been very, very clear where I stand on COVID. I'm telling everybody to take this thing seriously. I've seen the worst of it. I'm telling all of you, to research and learn as much as you possibly can about COVID, about the vaccines, about therapeutics, monoclonal antibodies, all these things that we talked about so often. And I've, I've dealt with this all day today. The first thing I say to people that tell me, what you know, because they hear, they know I'm talking about it on the radio a lot. What is that thing you say to ask the doctor? What should I ask my doctor? I said, if whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, my advice Ask your doctor immediately about monoclonal antibodies that has been, you know, taken early. That has been the treatment of choice. Uh, I I know of no case where anybody vaxxed or unvaxxed that got monoclonal antibodies that had anything but great results taken early. There's numerous studies about HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, if taken early, mitigates some symptoms. You know, starting with the the Henry uh, Ford Hospital. And there's numerous other studies that have shown taken early. It can mitigate some of the symptoms. Um, I know that the a lot of people have talked about ivermectin. I know far less about that than any others. I've not seen a study on it. I do know that their manufacturer, Merck, is saying that they don't recommend people take it for COVID, just to be upfront and clear. But that's not the issue with the case of a woman named Kathy uh, Davies. She's struggling with COVID and a Virginia hospital was found in contempt of court because her doctor wanted to prescribe ivermectin. Chris Davies and his father, Donald, have been fighting for their mother and their and wife and the right to try it as a treatment at a hospital in Virginia for the past few weeks. The hospital where apparently Chris, the father, works, uh, he happens to be a, a radiology technologist, uh, has been put through a series of legal hoops seemingly designed to block the treatment. Anyway, ultimately, this was reported in the Daily Wire. Uh, she did, in fact, 
uh, get the treatment after the hospital was found in contempt of court for barring the administration of the medicine that the doctor wanted to give her. Okay, so it raises medical ethical issues. I'm not giving out medical advice on what people should take. My advice stays the same. Talk to your doctor. Anyway, Chris Davies is with us. Uh, We're talking about his mom, um, and he and his father have been fighting for the right. Now, first of all, how is your mom doing? Well, she's uh, actually uh, doing somewhat poorly right now. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, Yeah, thank you for that. When when was she first diagnosed? She was uh, diagnosed uh, when we called the ambulance to get to the hospital on uh, October 9th. She was sick maybe a week and a half before that. Okay, so this is this goes all the way back to October. Yeah, we started getting sick at the very end of September, and it's been uh, wow months months with this uh, thing that we've been battling. Did she t- did she ever get monoclonal antibodies? Well, that was a question that we asked. Um, apparently, uh, the guidelines say that if someone is below. 90% saturation in the blood that uh, they are not a candidate for monocloidal. So mom was uh, really sick out of all of us, the four of us in the household that got it. She really got hit hard from the beginning. And right. she was actually uh, desaturating in the high 80s before going to the hospital. So uh, there was something that was discussed, but uh, ultimately it was not something. See, the doctors that I have that I have the most respect for, and this is now I'm speaking from my own personal experience and opinion, all believe that you must act immediately. And this is what their logic is. And I'm 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 giving this to you in layman's terms. So forgive me. And it's basically that, okay, if you wait until your oxygen level drops, by the time you get to that point, the damage to the lungs, you know, COVID lung, they call it, or COVID pneumonia kicks in and the damage is done by the time your by the time your oxygen levels are low. And all those doctors that I have talked to recommend immediately upon diagnosis to begin. Now, their regimen, for example, starts with monoclonal antibodies. That's what they recommend. Um, I. I have found anecdotally that everybody that I know either that has a breakthrough case or they're not vaccinated, they got monoclonal antibodies within the first 48 hours does great. Um, but that was not an option for your mom. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're sick at home, you don't really have all the uh, resources that you would like to have. Like we, we ended up buying a pulse ox, you know, the little thing you put on your finger to check for the oxygen saturation. And by the time we got that, uh, she was already desaturating to the point where it was below 90. And by that, the way, that, 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 that's how a lot of states have been treating it. Uh, if you get a temperature, take two Tylenols, and uh, if your oxygen goes below 90, go to the emergency room. But, but the problem yeah. with that kind of medicine, it's not proactive at all. It's reactive. And by the time you get to the hospital, your saturation oxygen levels are low. The damage has been done. I don't like that. For me, that's that, that's that's not good medicine to me. Yeah, yeah. And we had to go out of our way to get what we needed. And by the time we had any kind of semblance of uh, knowing what was going on, it was already too late for the monocoloidal for mom. I think they stopped giving it after day seven, eight, or nine, or ten, somewhere in there, because they've shown not to be effective. It has to happen immediately, which goes, yeah. which seems contradictory to what they told you. Is your mom on a vent? She's on a ventilator, yes. 
Yeah. And and she's been on how many days now? Day, day 44 on the uh, ventilator today. And how is she doing on it? Well, um, you know, uh, with this legal battle, we kind of wish we could, we could have gotten ivermectin sooner. Um, I understand. You know, I want to be fair to all parties. I understand the hospital wanted to argue their points, but... Uh, you know, it really shouldn't have gone to this point. Uh, you know, we have uh, laws in the book for right to try, and, and that should have been it when I asked the doctor. But that's not how it went. And how did the doctor just say no, or did you have a doctor that prescribed it for your mom? We have a family doctor that prescribed it. Um, I talked with the intensivist at the hospital, and they did not feel comfortable, and actually, uh, you know, flat out refused to even. Uh, you know, consider it. So then you had to go to court. How long did that take to get the injunction? Well, uh, we had multiple orders uh, that the judge uh, ruled basically in our favor. And then the hospital, I think, dragged their feet trying to get our family doctor uh, with emergency privileges so that we can uh, ha- we could have had somebody that was willing to administer ivermectin. And she had to go through a bunch of hoops, paperwork, uh, you know, malpractice insurance, You see, I support the right to try, and especially if somebody is deteriorating that quickly, the longer you wait, the worse it gets. Um, You are aware that the manufacturer, Merck, does not recommend off-use for ivermectin for COVID. You are aware of that? Yes, I am. Um, I am, but, uh, you know, uh, off-label drug use is uh, something that happens all the time. And uh, given the fact that I saw some reports where people were on the vent and they got ivermectin, uh, a notable person would be Mr. Ng out of the Chicago area. He got it for five days and was off the vent. And that's actually how we contacted uh, Ralph Larigo. So you knew of a a case where it actually worked on a patient that inspired you to do this for your mom, who was desperate at that point. Yes. I mean, she's been uh, they've been telling us for the past month or so that uh, her prognosis is poor. So, I mean, for that amount of time, it's basically she's been on her deathbed. So do I know it's going to work 100%, especially since she's been on the vent for so long and she's so very sick that, uh, hey, I got Ralph Larigo on the other line. He's my lawyer. Can I have him join Yeah, put him on. Sure. No problem. Ralph uh, Larigo is the attorney in this case. Hey, Ralph, how are you? I'm good. Uh, We've been talking about it. Um, What's frustrating to me is I interview a lot of doctors, and and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to play one on radio or TV. And the one thing that I do know is everybody that I know that gets a positive test and calls their doctor and they get the monoclonal antibodies immediately, does very well. Um, Why did they not do that in this case? Because when you go to the hospital, the hospitals refuse to do it. The hospitals will only do it as an outpatient. They refuse to do it on an inpatient. And and you're exactly right. It's a very helpful, uh, um, you know, procedure. But they, they refuse to do it. It was asked for here. And it was asked for on day what of the... So... And let me uh, look at my notes because I've got so many of these things. Right. Um, so I got to just make sure. But I know that that's the situation. I- I've done 50, 60 of these hearings. I just finished mm-hmm. with one in Illinois. Um, and they will not administer it when they admit you. So what happens in this case is he goes to the hospital on October the 9th. He's admitted that day. So 
what they do is they're, they're, they're going to give you remdesivir steroids and antibiotics, or she, I mean. They're going to give you that, that protocol, even though remdesivir is a terribly dangerous drug. So well, even I, I don't know. I don't know much about remdesivir. I can tell you that this morning that a friend of mine's wife, who's not vaccinated, um, popped positive, and I know of three hospitals in New York that she could go. She could choose from to get monoclonal antibodies, and she already got the infusion. That's and good. I'm, because and every person I know that has done that early has done very right. well. But I'm not a right. doctor. But and the doctor recommended it. So the trick is never is not to get admitted. I mean, the situation is clearly not to get admitted to the hospital. As soon as you get COVID, first of all, what I tell people is they need to be prepared in advance. You should have ivermectin in the household. In the event you get COVID, you should take it right away. But the monoclonal antibody is the first thing you would get if you were getting treatment. Um, you know, that's the first thing you would get. When you go to the hospital, they will not administer it after admission. Well, why don't, like in the case of this woman, you know, a friend of mine's wife, I mean, I know I, I, I sent a friend of mine, 78 years old. His wife was 68 years old. They were both unvaccinated. They went to Emory University Hospital in Atlanta and they got the infusion and they both did great. I have a friend that lives five minutes from my house, fully vaccinated. He had a breakthrough case. He got it within 24 hours. He did great. I have two other friends that live in three other friends that live in Florida. Same thing. All vaccinated, all pop positive, all within hours get the infusion and all did well. Again, look, I hear you. And that's true. The problem is everybody I have is in a hospital already. So, so it comes down to the right to try. I support the right to try. Let me give you the last word, though. And Chris, maybe you want to weigh in. Well, the right to try for me is uh, exactly that. We wanted the right to try on my mom's deathbed to see if uh, ivermectin would work for her. You know, everybody's different. Every every drug can affect people differently. But, uh, you know, in this case, she's been probably the sickest that Ralph has come across. I mean, again, 44 days on the vent. Um, and we just wanted to see and pray to God, you know, he's been with us throughout this whole thing, that it will help her and it will heal her and we can have her back at home as soon as possible. I do know somebody that survived 40 plus days on event. What is what? Yeah. What is the oxygen level she's at now? And and that'll be my last question for you. She was well, 100% on the, go ahead, Chris. Because they do uh, it, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they turn them over and they put them up straight up. That's right. Okay, so... Yeah. Yeah. What are her oxygen levels on both sides? Well, the machine is going at 100% oxygen right now. and uh, That's she, not good. Uh, you know, I, yeah, when it comes to, uh, you know, blowing this amount of air in the lungs, it can damage the lungs over long periods of time. Now, mom has it been can. on this for a long period of time. She has pneumothorax with the left lung. So that is not, you know, perfusing as well as it could be. So, uh, you know, over the past week, she has been saturating in the 70s, sometimes in the 60s. And on a good day at this point, she's in the 80s. And we're just hoping and praying that this medicine helps and she turns around. Well, our prayers are with you, and you shouldn't have to fight to get the treatment that you want, especially in an acute case, in my opinion. Um, I would handle things differently, and, and it's, you know, but it's a tragedy for you and your family. And I'm so sorry you're going through it. And I'm, our prayers are with you and with your mom. All right, thank you. If I could say one last thing, 
before we're done here. I would like all people of goodwill to pray for my mother for a Christmas miracle. Amen. We're praying. This audience will pray for you. Thanks. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. 800-941-SHAWN. We'll continue.